Welcome to Thrive at Work, the podcast that brings trends, insights, and practical tips to help employers attract, develop, and retain great people. Here, you'll find inspiring conversations with experts in their field and companies doing amazing work to shape a future where people can thrive. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Thrive at Work. Today we are talking about how getting outdoors in nature and moving can inspire and affect creativity and productivity in a work context. I'm really delighted to be joined today by Gary Pratt, founder of Outside Thinking and author of the book The Creativity Factor, using the power of the outdoors to spark successful innovation. Gary runs workshops talks and facilitated sessions, as well as outside escapes and retreats in the UK and abroad, helping business leaders to uncover how time spent outdoors can harness creative potential and lead to business success. Welcome, Gary. Thank you for joining me today. Absolute pleasure, Polly. Great. Thank you. Um, That all sounds really amazing. I'm really (laughs) intrigued. So tell me a bit more about... um, how you sort of set up your business and the services that you offer to clients yeah um well business is a very broad term isn't it uh, <laughs> you talk to my wife she'll say it's my jobby you know um the happy combination of hobby and job so that's sort of where that's it came me. from I think um <laughs> I've, I've always been a walker so I've uh you know school mountaineering club camping as a kid and growing up in the country so yeah I think I, I spent a lot of formative years just outside but I guess a lot of us did of, of a certain generation the classic you know just being get out of the house go and play outside come back at tea time and um mm-hmm. and I think what stuck with me although I didn't know it at the time was when I needed to think I would take myself off outside um through running my own businesses and working for other people it's just always a place I knew worked for me and then a sort of confluence of worlds you know serendipity is always good isn't it but um I was actually started a PhD at, I was working at Bath Uni as a teaching fellow in entrepreneurship so I was very much involved in in your know, early stage companies idea formation how you take ideas to fruition in a venture and um I started a PhD I won't go into the details of what it was about anyway quickly realized the PhD wasn't for me there was a lot of hard work and a lot of peer review um but it took me down a sort of rabbit hole of I guess, entrepreneurial thinking from a research point of view. And because I was a mountain leader and did that stuff, you know, that rabbit hole took me down an even smaller rabbit hole, which was, oh, you know, there's all this research around, um, you know, why the outside is good for your thinking. So that's sort of where it, you know, the academic spark happened. Oh. And then serendipity that a, a friend of mine um, who was a pretty senior in tech um, basically asked me to run a trip for him because he knew I was walking he knew I was you know thinking about this stuff and I had a background as an entrepreneur and an academic so um, I took a group of him and some people to Morocco I knew Morocco I'd walked there and that was really where the magic happened in my head was where I really realized that you have one very different relationships and conversations moving in nature um, but actually that there was a real work benefit people sorted ideas had different conversations made different connections so that's what you know that's how the if you call it the business came about and um and then a a great now a great colleague of mine who's a coach in nature called al kennedy we thought well 
let's experiment with this. So we started a free, you know, um, networking, networking group in and around Bath and Bristol called Outside. And that was just fantastic because we met a whole load of people who, you know, either thought the same way or wanted to explore that. And they just kept coming back and more people coming back and people saying, I want to go on a trip. Can you take me on a retreat? So, you know, sometimes the best businesses are born out of people asking you to do things. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's things you want to do. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Great. So I, th I think yeah. you, I won't go into detail what I offer. I think you covered it. I, it's, uh, it's about taking people out of nature, whether that's three hour walk with their team and doing some, we do do work, which we'll probably get onto about what, how I use the space, but mm. up to five days in Morocco. And um, I guess my only, the best testimonial isn't, I've got nice ones like most businesses, but everyone who's ever done it has come back for more. So that's my, that's my, that's my best testimonial. Oh, absolutely. That's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Great. So when you say you take people out as a team, does the, is the, is the science behind it? Is it the same if you're on your own as well as if you're in a team? Because I, I, I've definitely had experiences where I've been sitting at my computer and the words just haven't come and the, yeah. I just, I've got a bit stuck. And then I've gone out for a walk or changed my environment somehow. And then and I'll be thinking about something totally different or not even really thinking about much at all. Yes. And then I get back to my computer and then all of a sudden it's it's a lot clearer and things come a lot easier. So I've been aware of that for, for, for a while. I don't know the science behind it, but yes. I just wondered if it's the same sort of in a team setting as, as individual or what the differences are. Or could you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, well, that's sort of what, in a sense, the book is about and the research. So lucky enough, as you said, I'll, I'll hold my book up. There you go. It's always good to see that. Um, <laughs> which was a product product of lockdown, really. So all this came together and then I suddenly had time. And luckily, um, Bloomsbury you know, gave me a book contract, so I had to write a book. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I guess it gave me the ability, time and, and money and reason to look into that research. So you're quite right. I think I, I surveyed a whole load of founders, investors, and um, about 75%, they didn't know what the book was about, about 75% of them. So it was just really, where do you have your best ideas? And pretty much everyone was outside. Now that wasn't always walking, but it wasn't sat at your desk. So that's sort of the benchmark for doing the book and looking into the research. Oh. And then to your point, I come on a bit about the general research, but Yes, a big part of the book is what I call, you know, collective creativity. So that was really looking at, yes, everyone, I think, knows that they clear their brain and um, there's plenty of evolutionary science around that. Um, and neuroscience is a fantastic um, Irish author called Shane O'Mara, who wrote a book called In Praise of Walking. So he's looking at the neuroscience behind it and, um, and a few other people, a fantastic TED video and talk by a woman called Maria Pezzo, um, you know, exploring walking and what it does to your brain as well. So there's all this bit, which is, you know, how moving in nature gets your brain into what scientists call default mode. And that's what you've experienced. Yeah. So, and that's right back to our evolutionary history. And there's a little quirk of quirk of evolution that the bit of your brain, which is involved in, let's call it navigation, cognitive mapping. So what you use to put the world together is the same bit of your brain which is involved in creative reasoning and creativity oh. and imagination which is probably just you know, if i'm talking crassly you just think of the 
Maasai warriors, you know, doing collective hunting across the Maasai, traveling in nature, they're making complex decisions. So plenty of neuroscience that says your brain, just by being in nature, away from these square walls, puts your brain in the right mode, default mode. So you've experienced that, I think lots of people do. So really the book was trying to look at the research behind that, but also build a set of methodology and techniques where you can actually get value out of that. Yeah. So you get yeah. you get value of clearing your mind. There's a whole bit obviously of well-being and being in nature and reducing your stress, and it's all related to the same thing. But how do you actually capture something useful for a business? So there's a well, so much science, Polly. Yeah, everyone have to go and read my book, but you know, if we pick <laughs> we pick a few out um that sort of speak to this. So there's a fantastic research by guy called JG Allen, who was just looking at um, fresh air. So not really going out in nature. And they're now actually involved in getting fresh air into buildings. You know, so non-aircon recirculation. Mm. Breathe fresh air, your creative reasoning goes up 61 to 101%, just like that. Yeah. Wow. Fresh air. Fantastic wow. one by a guy called Benjamin Baird, called Inspired by Distraction, which is your creative reasoning goes up if you're doing something mildly distracting, but not the important bit is not resting. So mm. just slobbing around doesn't do it. And by <laughs> a quirk again, just walking mm. is exactly the right um, distracting behavior. So your body and mind are doing something, but you're not thinking about it. Yeah. And these okay. all increase your creativity. I would... guess the, the other bit is the is the opposite in a way is there's well it's been around for 20 years i think it takes a long time for uni research to make it into the real world mm. but you know the ubiquitous you know we need to sort something out in our business and get together and do some collective idea and you go into mm. a room with some post-its or book a conference room and do brainstorming now you can read this up it's in the book but it's, it's plenty all over the web brainstorming is not only rubbish it's actually counterproductive it reduces creative reasoning so <laughs> oh interesting why is so, that you know, oh there's a whole list of things to do with well, putting aside being in inside in square rooms and trying to make your brain work sitting around is not good anyway but <laughs> things you'd expect you know in your world definitely things you totally understand and get is you know they enhance hierarchies so there's a whole load of sort of bystander effects and other things going on in that space which mean i see yeah but being really crass people are trying you know people generally try to say things that their bosses want to hear i see yeah, yeah. so yeah. for actual idea generation it's probably the worst thing you can do yeah. so <laughs> yes uh, yeah but it's presumably good for idea capturing so you'd probably come to that room with some ideas although presumably people wanting to say the things that the boss they think the boss wants to hear presumably it works the other way as well so they might be actually a bit fearful of saying things that put themselves out there a bit more on the line and that the boss might not approve of so it yeah. probably works the other way too um but presumably uh, it's quite good for ideas capturing yeah and that's a whole other bit is what what do you do when you've got a load of ideas and put them through the ringer so that's yeah. to be honest my my book and my methodology doesn't you know you've still got you know, my call isn't for people to you know close down their offices and all you know work out in nature 
it's to <laughs> it's to accept that it's a really powerful place to do some deep work and yeah. that it's really good at we'll come on to another bit it's really good at which i guess is the whole team leadership side mm. of things but in terms mm. of pure you know idea generation putting through things through the ringer and having different conversations it's just a fantastic space that we were sort of designed to be in there's got a he's in a similar field to me a guy called michael de Paula up in manchester and um you know he's i won't get this right but it's in again in the book but and he's probably not the only one to say it but he says you know we will look back on our working environments today sort of like we look back on the victorian sweatshops you know locked in boxes staring at our screens browsing hoping that the magic happens Mm. And, um, mm. we sort of all know that's the case and I mm. think we're one of the issues and often comes up when I'm talking to people is you know out and about is that you know there's it's sort of bound in this whole life work balance that you know people often think what I'm doing should be the life bit the fun and my point mm. is well actually no it's work you mm. know you can't draw that hard boundary of this is work, this is life, all the fun happens in life, you know, all mm. the interesting stuff. And now I've got to sit here and work. Yeah. And most people, and, you know, not even getting into diversity, diversity of thinking and all those other things, you know, every, everyone works in a different way, don't they? And my call is very much to at least find ways for teams and leaders to explore that different way of thinking. And I'm not saying mine's the only way, but um, I sort of know it's a powerful way to at least explore that. Mm, brilliant. Thank you. Can I just go back a step or two? We were talking about, um, I, I'd just like to delve a little bit more into the movement idea of it. Mm. So you were saying that walking is a kind of a perfect activity to be doing because you're doing something. Yes. Um, and... So is it to do with the rhythmic aspect of it or just the fact that your body is doing something and therefore I'm just wondering what else would be, you know, because sometimes people say they have ideas in the shower, don't they? Or when they're doing the washing up or tidying up the kitchen yes. or just involved in some sort of other activity. So could you just um, maybe go into that in a little bit? Yeah, so that all comes under that inspired by distraction bit. So absolutely, you know, mm. you, lots of things you can do where your body is doing a slightly distracting cognitive task but not using this bit of your brain if you like and oh. um, the magic really happens outside so there's a i'll mention two two sort of one's research and one's a sort of historical thing so there was a guy called bip rolston who was a fantastic name who um was the pioneer of prosthetics basically after the second world war oh wow when he was you know trying to do the science behind building prosthetics he did lots of work into optimal gait and how we walked mm. and, um, so hence that's fantastic so he worked out these speeds of walking and the dynamics of it that you know would help people if you've got a prosthetic use as little effort as possible if you like okay and um, that led into a more much more recent study by a Norwegian academic called Mia Kainanen who was looking at walking for thinking and did um, studies with Norwegian academics so literally getting them to walk at different speeds in different environments yeah <laughs> so through a city through a park on a walking machine out in nature in the woods and did the same type of you know creative reasoning measurements and 
So she's literally got an optimal speed, which is a sort of nice casual walking speed. So going right back to that evolutionary bid, it's not about, you know, be beasting up to a peak of a mountain. Um, there's an optimal speed where you're, you hit this magic of your brain just being in this default mode. But mm. it also went up hugely when they were out in the woods. And that's a bit more complex to unpick about what that means. And there's even research into, you know, what fractal fractals in your vision do to your brain and things like that. So wow. you know, it's fractal, it's not square, but, but it comes probably the most interesting, or I find is there's a whole thing called attention restoration therapy or theory. Uh, which is you know, developed by two Americans, the Kaplan's husband and wife team. And, um, and this is literally a whole theory and, and therapy structure, which is around using nature to time in nature to reset your mind, really. And, and again, if you want to think of it crassly, it's basically resetting your mind back to that inquisitive, curious kid who was making mud pies and dens in the woods. Yeah. And um, very recently, actually, I was sent a research paper. It's actually, I think Google funded it um, about how, and uh, I haven't read this in detail, but it was basically a measure of genius. So not, right. not IQ, not a classic IQ measure, but uh, this new measure of how do you measure genius? And again, I'll get this slightly wrong, but primary age kids under the age of eight, say something like that, it's not really young about 80% 80, 80 of them pass the genius test. And, oh, wow. Um, and then they tested other ages. And when you got to adulthood post sort of tertiary education, it went down to 2%. And um, so you, you can unpack this article is actually about how education is broken. You know, mm. but, <laughs> but if you take yeah. a different view of it, it's the fact that, you know, we've sort of built structures, education work, whatever you want to look at, which... Mm. take us away from that that curious inquisitive imaginative minds that we all had we all got them it's not the preserve of artists and musicians they probably mm. the ones who've managed to some way hold on to that um yes yeah, so i don't know if I answered your question directly but yeah there's this magic of walking yeah again i'm not saying it's the only one uh, but it does it's you've got the distracting task and you've got this optimal gait but also doing it outside in nature is mm. superpowering you up again. So, you know, and, and yeah, probably the book could have been as simple or the first bit of the book as it's where we were designed to be and think, you know, and we've just built a load of stuff around us, which has taken that away from us. Yeah. That's so interesting, isn't it? And so would you almost say it's like layers? So being outside could be like the first layer. Being outside is better than being inside within four walls. So that's the first sort of thing. Doing some kind of movement is then an extra layer. So that's even better. And then doing some sort of um, the optimal gait, you know, that kind of a thing. I guess maybe that would just be like the icing on top and for, yeah. for really well, optimal yes, and environment. If, if my work is really, so that all happens. If you come out for a walk with, you know, me as a team or even on your own, you, you, you'll you get that, but not quite necessarily, well, potentially some of the capture bit you talked about, but I think a big section of my book is then the methodology, which is to try and use that, you know, you're, you're in that place, aren't you? It's a bit like, mm. I'm not a, 
nowhere from an, you know nowhere near being an elite athlete but i suspect most elite athletes have a whole regime but before you see usain bolt lining up on the you know on the starting grid there's mm. a whole regime of getting himself in the right physical and mental state before that moment yeah, yeah. so a lot of my methodology is what do you do when you're in that moment and that's what i'm trying to then use nature in its broadest sense and that's mm. from using things we find in nature um, mm. to nature's modeling what's nature doing itself so we mm. introduced a lot of i guess methodology but partly mm. i think it's just the collective bit is just you do you absolutely have different conversations and make different connections doing that with someone yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think I think lots of people know it from, you know, probably even from their dog walk with friends. Yeah, you know, they'll have deeper conversations in that yeah. environment, and so capturing that as a team. So a lot of my work is, I try to not let people think about where they, you know, not where they are, but where they're going, the navigation. They're not thinking of that. That just happens. That's my job, but I do make them cycle through. You know, even if it's 10 minutes talking in pairs and then you cycle to a different pair so you get all these perspectives on the same questions but not in one big lump of people <laughs> okay um, interesting and then again you're not you know you're not sitting around a table in a boardroom um and someone's the, someone's fearful to be the first person to speak and all of that so if you're in pairs you're having those discussions in a kind of safer environment aren't you yeah and there's a there's an amazing guy called adam kahana who's um he's a sort of very very high level facilitator um has the pleasure of you know or privilege of having praise direct from um nelson mandela but oh, um, wow. um so he he tells a story when he was involved in um post-ecuadorian um civil war mm -hmm. and they'd been sort of trying the two you know trying to facilitate you know agreement after the war between the the sides and um loads of meetings in you know hotels and and he almost threw he just threw his hands up at one point and said right let's get out of here and split them into pairs and sent them off walking one from each side in pairs and um and then he tells the story that it, you know they all came back as one having all suddenly made some breakthroughs but two, just having a ridiculous amount of empathy and interest in the other person, which they weren't having across the table. So now he took, this is 30 years old, whatever, but now he builds that into every workshop and facilitation he does. He takes people out of that room, makes them walk and talk together. So sounds really simple, but you know, there is some, yeah, there's some methodology in my madness, if you like. <laughs> it's not just going for a nice walk. <laughs> Although you will have a nice walk. That's the worst that can happen, I say to people. You can have a nice walk. <laughs> sounds great. Um, yes, well, coming out of the pandemic then, so we mm. all were sort of going for our daily walks, weren't we? And mm. everything else in the lockdowns. Um, have you seen a sort of increase in walking meetings at all that you're aware of since then? Yeah, I think there is. I think people have, well, hybrid working and new ways of working have definitely forced but also encouraged people to explore different ways to meet and talk i think and a lot yeah. of people are fed up you know with the the zoom bit i think the yeah. 
So I'd say yes. I still think people find the, let's call them the rules, hard to break. Um, mm. And um, there's a, I'm talking about lots of other people's books, but um, there's a great book called Michael Easter, who, who's called The Comfort Crisis. Now you can read it, it's all about him fixing himself in nature. But the, he then went back and worked with some academics on structure and, um, and I've adopted it and changed it. But um, I call it the 23-3, which is, you, know, you, you should absolutely have your 20 minutes a day. Now, some people that might be a commute to work, but my point I think is, you know, it should be when you need it. You know, 20 in the minutes day. walk. 20, 20 minutes 20. walking in nature a day. Right. Yeah. But that could okay. be, a, what I'm saying is it could be a walking meeting. It could be, so just the freedom mm. to say, right, let's take this outside. Or it might mm. be your own commute. Um, we can come on to the other threes later, but, and his work is, Michael Easter's research is that that 20 minutes is a, you know, it's, it's a bit, well, it's not like having three expressos, but you know, it's the sort of, <laughs> much better than having three expressos if you want to, you know, you know, boost your creativity or your thinking or clear your mind. Mm. So my call is very much to, you know, managers or companies just to allow that to happen. Mm. Um, but I think the big change I've seen is, is the growth in offsites. So, you know, when you do have hybrid teams, a lot of the work I do is because getting those teams together is they want to do that because they're hybrid. Um, and they're definitely people are wanting to explore different ways to bring their teams together because you can't do that every quarter in a meeting room at a hotel, regardless of regardless of whether I think it's any good, but you know, no one wants that. Mm. Um, but also I think there's been a change, and again, you've probably seen this. You know, I think that break in, let's call it, you know, company entertainment, I think that sense that it should be around food, drink, you know, evenings has also been broken a lot. And I think that's partly post-pandemic, but it's partly much more diverse workforces and a sense and, and a focus on well-being. But, you know, that isn't what we should do as a team. So explore other things and I, I work with a it's a great they're a sort of startup um funded by, uh, founded by some ex-blinkist people called work trip um who are let's call them airbnbs of offsites but um oh, right. they only list and they only work with people doing alternative offsite work um oh, so you know there's a big growth there that companies are at least looking to explore right mm. 12 of us 20 of us need to get together Mm. how and where can we do that which is different so that's that's really driven a lot of my work for sure yeah brilliant thank you so we were talking earlier about when people are together in like a conference room there mm. can be problems with hierarchy and things what have you or that can be a, a restricting factor anyway um so what do you see when teams are out and about what happens to the hierarchy the hierarchy goes very quickly um and I think if we put the leader hat on, you, you, mm. you absolutely see that happen. But I think what you, I mainly see in the feedback I get is that everyone listens more. I think that's probably the key takeaway. That's interesting. And, and I haven't quite, I don't quite, you know, I couldn't give you any research of why that is, um, you know, but that's the big feedback I get is that people, 
yes, they connect in different ways and, you know, even getting soaked on a walk connects people, some people in different ways. <laughs> you very rarely, very rarely do I get a dominant character after a few hours outdoors, which I suspect some of them would be dominant in a different setting. Okay, uh, so it's a kind yeah. of a leveller. Yeah, I think it's a great leveller. Um, mm. And maybe just the flow of traveling in nature, being outside, your brain doing other things, looking and collecting. You know, we do quite a few techniques. Um, yeah, I, the feedback I get is we just listen to each other much more. That's really interesting. So when you're being asked to provide, um, you know, to, to do a retreat or a walk or, or something, do you do you get a sort of brief from the company to start with this is what we would like to achieve or is it a bit more open than that it can be both um quite often they're driven because there's been some change that might be in you know teams growing uh, quite often you know we've got new team members we want to all meet together and so that's quite often a driver um up mm. to you know, I've done a number where they've, you know, just raised significant investments. So they're hiring a new, you know, executive team. So some of those are the, I've run some retreats where it's the first time some of the new executive have met. And the first time they're doing it is in some walking boots and, you know, <laughs> which is interesting in its own right. And um, um, so, yes, and almost always, yes, we we plan before we go and we'll discuss what they it's not so much what they want to get out of it because you know, I do do work which is around right we need to define our mission or our purpose you know we want to explore that you know and that yeah. to your takeaway that might be a precursor to then sitting in a room with a marketing company or a strategist yeah so it's not yeah. really necessarily going to do it all with me it's just a place to get all those ideas out but the thing that works best is I quite often ask them all individually to just input questions that you know they would like to discuss so again so that's a you know like a suggestion box but of questions which we will then okay. you know rifle through and work and hone down to some what are the really important things you need to be thinking about and solving at the moment um sometimes it's just pure yeah innovation you know we just want to you know go through the ideas we're thinking about our our future so it's, it's varied but yeah there's 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 structure before we go I'm, I'm loaded with something of what they want to get out of it I mm. guess the, the interesting reflection to me is that quite often that's not what they get out of it <laughs> ah okay <laughs> um okay, I, I, so... I, I can't mention any names but you know one I, one <laughs> I took um it's an example they um they were actually on a three day and there's a whole bit of research from a couple called the actuallys that three days is really magical and that's the second three in my 23 you know is that of the third final three yeah three days is very special because you properly get immersed in nature and we do things like forest bathing then and a whole load of other stuff but um but after about day one i realized and they started to realize that they just all agreed with each other all the time <laughs> which was very nice <laughs> not great yeah. for decision making or or planning so we actually then yeah. had to, you know turn what we were doing into you know introducing some actual forced sort of 
conflict and disagreement in what we were doing. So that was one example was around a big fire pit. We just had the, I don't know if you ever heard of the Aboriginal talking stick. Oh, yes. So yes. it's designed for, you know, only I can speak. Yes. Um, and you've got to shut up. But we turned it into, <laughs> if I've got it, I've got to disagree with one of the things you've said on purpose. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, so we can turn it to all sorts of things. But I, I guess my point of being out for a while in nature was, I think they need, you, you needed that day of them just all walking, talking, being together to actually collectively realise that, you know, they were too nice to each other, basically. I don't, it's a horrible word, nice, but you know what I mean. From a business perspective, mm. they were just all agreeing that everything was a good idea, and that's evidently not true, is it? Well, no, and, and also, <laughs> how are you going to then, if everything's a good idea, how will you prioritise and move things forward? And Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I always, I always find it fascinating what comes out. It's not necessarily what they think. Yes, yes, yeah, brilliant. So I imagine some teams have had some really transformative experiences over the sort of three days. Can you give us some examples? Yeah, well, again, I, I guess I, I can't really name names. No. Um, yeah, it's hard to pin what, you know, I, 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 that word comes up a lot in my testimonials. Transformative. It was a transformational experience. That's now, amazing. If I ask them what transformed, I think it's probably hard for them to absolutely nail. Mm. Um, I think mm. it's back to that listening and, you know, the more empathetic mm. side of it that I think what they transform is in their internal communication especially with executive teams yes I think, um they come away knowing each other more deeply and empathizing and and you know maybe people like this one maybe feel feeling freer to disagree or challenge so mm. that maybe speaks to that higher even with the executive team there's always a ceo or two ceos or something and it mm. sort of breaks that down a bit i think yeah um, and then after they've had um, some time with you, how do you mm. then advise them to then take what they've done and then move that back to the workplace and move on with it in the future? You know, how do they then progress with whatever they've achieved over that time with you? Well, that's interesting too. I guess they've, they've got to get back into their normal systems. So this yeah. is a bit where the 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 twenty three three comes in. That's mm. sort of structure I give them partly is you know use the outdoors and nature daily allow your staff to use it um the second three is three hours every two weeks and i've got some structures in this book and that is around you know very very structured methodology around you know, how you can run your own strategy meetings using outdoors, how you can run your board meetings outdoors, etc. So I give them some structures to try and build that into their time. The one most of them take away is just, oh, I'm free to just get up off my desk and go outside and think about things. That's the one most people take away. The, the best one, though, is one company I worked with. They then, about a month later, sent me um, a structure they'd put together for their clients so they were now when they had new clients that they, they these guys ran a very very complicated ai company which i still don't really understand 
But um, <laughs> so they all, you know, they found it hard to explain to potential clients what they did. So this right. was all, what they were exploring was how do we talk about what we do? How do we, you know, position it differently just so people can really get to the nub of what they're getting out of this. Hmm. Um, so they took it to the extreme of actually building a program near their offices where when clients came down, they took them on a trip in nature as part of their pitch process and hmm. used used the journey they went on, the walk that they put together. Literally, we're going to walk to this river, this waterfall, you know, back to the office as part of their pitch, which I loved because then it was, hmm. you know, it gave them the sort of metaphorical structure for what they do. Yeah. So I, 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 I hadn't even thought of that, to be honest. It was, it was, that was all, all off their own backs of coming out for a few days. Okay, interesting. Oh, lovely. Oh, that sounds great, doesn't it? Um, I just wanted to touch upon um, um, mental health. So being outside and in nature and exercise we know is good for mental health. I just wondered about, I know you touched on it earlier, but the the um, link then with creativity and our, our brain. Can you tell us a bit more about the science around, you know, if you're doing things to promote positive mental health, how that can also increase productivity and, and things? Are you able to elaborate a little bit more on that? To be honest, I didn't delve into it deeply. As I said, I definitely scraped on the surface of the sort of neuroscience and... Um, and physiological changes that you sort of go through, which we all experience. So the classic um, stress reduction. Mm. Now, I think there's, there's other people, another other side to this, which is you know becoming a big area, which is um, you know social prescribing, and you know actually that realization that you know spending time out in nature, doing active things outside, is good for your health. It probably even speaks to you know, Wim Hof and ice breaking and all of that side of things. There's a complex field I, I don't pretend to know about. I think from the neuroscience bit, I think it's all linked to this, you know, the bit of your brain which is combined and where we evolved to do our best working and thinking. Mm. Uh, the productivity is an interesting one. Um, it's always a horrible word anyway, isn't it, about what productivity <laughs> sort of yeah. or how you measure it and, and you know I'm very aware that you know there's people working working in all environments that you know have different measures of that and different pressures to be productive I guess my simple call is that is of the anti bit isn't it that you cannot be productive staring at your screen and typing on a keyboard eight hours a day you, you could be probably technically productive if your job was to enter numbers but uh, <laughs> but if yeah. your job is anyway in the involves your intelligence reasoning creativity then you won't be productive doing that mm. you won't be productive being told what times to do that and how to do it so you've got to find ways to break that so my simple call is that allow people freedom to um to do what i do there's a it's a john cleese quote actually i think but um so you know it's related to what i do but you know um if you want productive workers um give them time to play um so you know mine may may come under play i guess but i would say it's work 
Um, so yeah, it's probably a soft route to productivity, but it's you know what we're doing <laughs> doesn't work particularly well as productivity. No, and our structure of work is. Um... Do you think it's shifting? I mean, the pandemic gave us an opportunity to do things differently, but we keep hearing in the news, um, you know, big companies requiring people to go back to the office five days a week. And as you say, just being just because you're in front of a screen for eight hours a day doesn't mean that you're being productive for all of that time. In fact, you're probably really not. <laughs> um, so what what's your view on that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's obviously big 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 companies. Uh, I I don't work a lot with them, and I find them quite hard. <laughs> I've never, you know, I don't have a a history of you know that type of corporate work myself. But um, I did interview some people in the book and, and looked to research. There's there's a lot of companies now embracing the physical workspace. Um, you know, partly like that fresh air bit and bringing nature into offices, which is I find interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's obviously can't be. A, it's not a bad thing. Um, but mm. I did interview someone who worked for um, quite senior in Facebook and um, um, he's, he's now set up his own company, but um, he was saying he worked in London at their HQ and he said they had, you know, games rooms, computer rooms, sleep pods, all this, you know, all the stuff that a big tech company might have that's got loads of money. And he basically said, God forbid, if you were seen in there, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Because you weren't yeah. working. So there's this sort of dichotomy of, you know, appearing to, you know, want to allow people to play and be free, um, but really not um, allowing it. So I'd, I'd hope that's changing, as, mm. you know, but I, yeah, it's probably a long road. And I think it's much, it's much, much easier in my core audience of, you know, small to medium businesses to think differently and think about how you build stuff like this into the culture of the company yeah brilliant and I think um I think the very fact that they're doing something like this says an awful lot about their culture and I'm sure they will by doing things like that they will recruit and retain the right sorts of people for their for their culture who are going to thrive in that kind of environment and work yeah, exactly anyway and, and you know not surprisingly I you know I have quite a few discussions around you know, accessibility and diversity if you're going outdoors. And, right. Um, which is, you know, of course, right. And um, from I don't like going outdoors to <laughs> potentially in a wheelchair or whatever. Or So, you know, I guess my answer there is that, you know, nature is pretty much accessible to everyone. It's, again, some of my trips are three days mountain walking, but it's driven by the client. Mm. You know, so you know a woodland retreat i use some fantastic places in and near you know where i live in bath you know where you know we're just we're just out in nature you know in the mm. woods we're not we're not going on a yomp or a massive hike so <laughs> we do we walk or travel but it's short distances so you know you can still i don't think anyone should be afraid of it there are ways to ways to do it regardless of that question generally brilliant great thanks gary um, we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything that you'd like to say or cover that we haven't already spoken about? I, I, the same I say to you know anyone who's anyone who's listening is you know, whether whether you want to do work with me or exactly like mine is is a you know, personal choice. Yes, um, but I just want people to or companies to find different ways 
explore different ways to get together as a group, whether that's small teams within a company, the whole team, the whole company. Mm. You know, find that happy balance of this is good for our well-being as a individuals and a group, but also can be work. And I think there are plenty of ways to do that now. And my methodology and my way of doing it is one way. But there's plenty of people, you know, you you start in any business and you meet lots of people and there's a whole host of people doing related similar from you know more woohoo tree hugging i don't mind anyone hugging a tree but you know <laughs> but i think and then the counter to that is that it's what i do and i think a lot of these people do is it's team buildings being sort of hijacked by you know adrenaline fueled activities and you know, I, I hate that because I like the word team building, the phrase team building. And actually, most adrenaline build a raft goes on the river aren't particularly team building because it only suits a few people in the team. So, <laughs> you know, what we do isn't that. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to do that, that's fine. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, mm, and yeah, this, go on. And the simple answer is to don't, don't book a room at the Watford Hilton if you want to have any ideas. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the team building and the relationship developing will happen as a result of, you know, it happens as a byproduct almost of of what you're doing, probably. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, If people would like to get in touch with you, what are your sort of, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, You can probably easily find me on LinkedIn because not many people have my name. Um, One famous cricketer or (laughs) semi-famous cricketer. I'm not him. Um, although I wish I was, but maybe. Um, my URL is my name.co.uk. Uh, got two R's in Gary. Um, or, yeah, just search for this, the creativity factor, and it'll come up on all the normal channels. There's print and audio um, and Kindle, obviously. So, you know, you'll track me down one of those ways. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Gary. Absolute pleasure, Polly. Thank you. Bye bye.